Hi, this is Michael Waits. Welcome back to the Social Innovation Asia podcast. I'm here again with Dan McFarland. Dan, it's great to have you back. Yeah, hi, Michael. It's great to see you. Yeah. It's great to be here this time in Cambodia. We're in Phnom Penh, yeah. Which is fantastic. We're exploring people engaged in social innovation and affecting change in their community yeah. in Cambodia. And we're really happy to have with us today Tavri Ton. And why I'm so excited about this is Tavri brings a different way of looking at innovation. We often think about innovation in terms of... Tech, right? Tech, yeah. Um, and that's a lot of the sort of case studies. Right. The people we explore, they're using tech and they're leveraging tech to enable change. Right. right? This, this is different. Though. This is different. Tavri's sort of embracing literature and the spoken word as a medium of change. And that's quite unique in, in Cambodia. And we're going to hopefully hear why that's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I think in the world, right? So a lot of people talk about the fact that people don't read anymore. Right. And yet there's, you can have a huge impact by writing and then Absolutely. by following on that writing with speaking. So Tavri, could you just give us a bit of insight into your background and what you're doing now? Yeah, so my name is Ton Tavri and I'm a, a writer and also the promoter at publishing house called Superjivet, while uh, partly also as a managing director of the travel agent, we focus on uh, adventure travel. Fantastic. Now, I understand you've authored the book, A Proper Woman. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so um, A Proper Woman has... Uh, the story was just when I worked in the uh, company in America, and they asked me if I could write the, you know, a short uh, article about how were Cambodian being treated in Cambodia, uh, so they can publish for their spring newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, so then I did write that, and then they published in the US, and somehow I get a lot of uh, great feedback from okay. the US. And then I publish it in my website, and I get so many comments, they, people send me um, email, uh, commenting like all over, and it makes me feeling like um, this is just a, a short article, four A4 pages and get a lot of response. And then I kind of feel like, why not I make into the story of the book? But at that time, I had no idea how to make the book. When you were doing that, can I just back up a little bit? You did that first in English, right? Yes. So what was the beginning of your studying English at the start anyway? Like, was there a philosophy in the family about being educated? My uh, both parents, like my mom and dad, mm -hmm. they always believe in education. They keep telling us that only education is the uh, ticket to a better life. Right. So they did what they take, they sacrificed their life. So they, uh, they sold cow, they, they did like very hard work just to send us to school. Right. And so when I grew up, I had no fear of my parents would force me to quit school. So uh, I had to work in a garment factory and all of that. Right. But I always have the hope that I want to be a writer since I was nine years old. And um, You bring up a, an interesting point though, right? You said you weren't afraid that your parents were going to make you quit school. Yeah. Is that something that Cambodian children of your generation were afraid of? Yes. Tell me more. So I was born in the rural area, so the education was not the, the topic for especially young girls. Um, most especially of, for young girls? Yes. Especially... Um, most of my friends that would quit school at grade 9 or grade 8 right. so then they have uh, to send uh, working in the factory or working in the meatball factory 
uh, to earn, you know, thirty or eighty to a hundred dollar per month, so then they can send back home to their families. To their family, but my parents had different uh, uh, strategy in life, where they invest in the long term education for the three of their children. So, in the hope of their children will have a better life than they are um, today. What was the genesis of your parents' philosophy? In other words, what made them different? And other parents who just said, "Okay, it's ninth grade. Now it's time to go work in a factory somewhere in a bigger city, so you can send money home for the family." What was different? Because they know how it feels like for not be able to realize their dreams. They both were forced, uh, not forced, like because of the the culture norms. So right. uh, the woman has to have a man um, to take care of when she is, you know, nineteen twenty, right. which means married. So they never met. They know never know each other. So they met on the wedding day, and they both got dreams, but their dream has been destroyed. My dad wanted to be a policeman, and my mom wanted to be a primary school teacher. Right. But then she had to uh, force to quit school, so that she had to work, help my grandmother working, and support the family. And then she had to, she had no uh, way to say, I don't want to get married, um, you know, because I have the dream. That can't no. So then she had to get married as. Um, the older told her to do. Right. So, was there a consequence for a woman of your mother's generation to just say, "I'm not doing this"? Like, what would have happened to no. your mother? No. Woman has no voice. <clears throat> like. No, I understand. I'm being quiet because I'm just trying to think yeah. what the next question is. A woman has no voice is a really powerful statement, but you do have a voice. Are you correcting that you generated a voice for yourself and other women in Cambodia? Yes. Um. So I think. Through my uh, childhood, I get inspired or empowered from my parents. Mm. Um, like basically, to say like, okay, women should not play the boys' game, or you should not do this, you should not do that. Like because you are a girl. But my parents allow me to play boys' game, like playing slingshot. I do all the challenging games, so I feel like, you know, as a young girl, I can do this. Why? Why there is always saying. Girl, you should not do that. So, in your group of friends, when you were a young girl, what was your relationship like with your other female friends who were the same age? Did they say to you, "It's kind of strange you're playing these games with the boys," or did they just look at you in awe? Like, what was that like? They kind of like tomboys, right? That's fine. Saying me like that, um, but my parents didn't really like force me to stop playing all this game because right. um, I didn't know uh, what it will. Uh, You know, tell me to be when I was uh, when I will be older. Right. But those game or like those challenging game kind of like make me question why there is always you know different between boy and girl. Right. What's the separation when, yeah. for? Yeah. Yes. So is that why you've given this your kind of autobiography the title of a proper woman? Mm -hmm. So there is um, always the sarcasm. Um, even now, after mm. the book has been published for two years. Some still making fun when they see the name of a proper woman. They confuse that the girl who want uh, to have a husband as as soon as possible. Yeah. That's why they read the book in order to obey <laughs> to be a proper woman. <laughs> right, right. So they think this is like a yeah. guide when they look at the title. They yeah. think this is a guide to getting a husband or getting a proper yeah. life. Whereas this is a little bit sarcastic. Is kind yeah, of the sarcastic. wrong word, but maybe. What is is the title in Khmer literally translated as a proper woman? Yes. So it's the exact same yes. kind of phraseology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can I again back up just a little bit? 
you said when you wrote the first, what was it, a four-page article, and now it's a hundred or three, two hundred something page book. What was the process of saying, I want to be a writer and I can write a book? How did it turn from four pages into a full book? Um, so when I said, I told myself and I announced to my uh, Facebook uh, fan <laughs> that I will take, I will spend one year to uh, working on this book, right. and hopefully, uh, you know, by the end of the year, I will be able to make, you know, the book as promised. But then. When I said that, I had no idea what to do next. Right, how to write And at that time, I had no one where I can ask, like, how the publishing process in Cambodia, uh, how can I get, like, the type of light pepper, uh, you know, free wood oyster, all type of this. I had no idea how, um, like, the publishing, the rights, um, where to find ISBN. ISBN, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of this. But through the writing, I always try to... Uh, talk to other uh, writer. Ask me to like ask them to link uh, me with like all these informations, and so then I thought first only a problem in just what for a four pages, but then I I thought when I went home for my year I said maybe it will be more interesting to make a problem but competitive by three generations, yeah. which means I had to study about my grandmother. My mother and then me, right. um, but then just the sample of this um, family it resonates with many many families in Cambodia. Mm. So when the girl read the book, they feel like they might read their own story. Mm. Then I had that ideas and I start to collect story of my grandmother. I ask about my uh, um, ancestor roots, where they are from. I learn a lot from about my family, and then I ask my mom also tell me story and all of this. And then I come back, I, I wrote what they said, made into story, and passed to my editor. So what was it like to talk with your grandmother? So in my, And I'll tell you why I'm asking. When I was a young boy, I idolized my grandfather. Just a, his story was amazing. Right? He came from literally zero. Like this really hard scrabble story. But when you were talking to your grandmother, before you told her you were doing this, did you know all the stories about her and just ask about those specific stories or did you learn new things about her as well as you were going along? I did learn new things about her, but the problem uh, was my grandmother never educated, so she didn't know how to read and write. Right. So it's, Neither it's, did my grandfather. Yeah, so it was difficult to ask her question and she would answer to you what you want. Right. So what I did just, you know, t I just lay down next to her, I put on my phone while record and I asked her to tell story. And that way I got story quite raw and natural. Um, then I would go to the neighbor um, who used to be a friend of my grandfather, um, ask them like to prove if the story is right or not, something like this. Right. And then with my mom, she is very good um, storyteller. Your mother is. Yes. Yeah. So I told her that I will write the book and all of this and she support me immediately. Um, the Khmer write the Khmer editions. She wrote the proofreader. Okay. Yeah. So we should be clear on this. You wrote this book in English first. In English first, which in and of itself is amazing, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because again, it teaches a lesson to the people that you want to read it. Be aspirational. Yeah. Read it in another language. Yeah. 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 So uh, my intention when I wrote the English uh, one for first because at that time. The, the book in Khmer still not very popular, they were not very being valued much. So then I thought maybe I would bring international attention. 
if I want to make the book into Khmer, maybe it will be easier for me. Right. So it was right. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was the right way. So after a um, few months, I get so many response from international uh, audience that you should make the book into uh, Khmer language. Even the Cambodian who read the English one also support me the same. Then I had an idea, okay, then I will, it was, I was very tiring, I cried many times until I published the English one. <laughs> sure. Because I had nobody um, that I can ask for, uh, for help. Besides few people at Small World and my editor. But then I, I felt so tired, I said I want to have some break before I continue the Khmer edition. But then after a few months, I started uh, the Khmer editions. And at that time, it's very difficult for me to type Khmer because I get so used to with English. What were you typing in? I know you're using a computer, but yeah. what uh, software were you using to type? Just Microsoft Word, Word. a Google document. Okay, and in Microsoft Word, they have the Khmer characters. I installed a font. You installed the font, yeah. but it's hard to write because yes. it's not it's not linear, right? No. You, you have to go the, back and then forward yeah, yeah, the to feet, write the... the hair, so many things. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so vowels come before consonants yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. right? So it's a really interesting way to type. It's not like typing in English where it's just letter after letter no, after it's letter, very right? Difficult. It's really hard. Yeah. So I spent another five months to translate into my own language. Wow. Um, at the same time, I did fundraising because I already knew that I get support from international uh, audience. Then I, I fundraised um, almost $7,000 to um, publish this one, um, 2,530 copies to donate to school and rural uh, NGOs that work across Cambodia. So where did the money come from? Where did that fundraising? I did fundraising on GoFundMe. You did? And then I did um, like dinner with the writer. <laughs> um, so people would come and meet you? Yeah, with me, and then... eat with me, and then I give them the book, and then right. they pay me $20. And then I did uh, fundraising night at the village cafe in Siem Reap. And then I would ask through organization that you know they know about me and all of this. So, and then also through uh, private donors. Right. Yeah. They because they read the book already, then they feel like it's value to make into Khmer. So then uh, during the time I was producing the Khmer one, I I be able to raise enough and to uh, produce just like almost three thousand copy alone to donate. And that's how I reached to. Uh, people or organization contact me to speak. Okay, okay, so it's turned out really well. Yeah, you've already published well. how many books in Khmer? So, oh, sorry, how many copies of A Proper Woman in Khmer have you published? Uh, 7,000 so 7, far, and about 2,530 donate. The I rest see. we sell. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's only in the last how many months? Uh, September last year, right. so it's like four one months. Month. Yeah. Four or five months, yeah. No, 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 2017. I see. Yeah, okay, so, so 16 months, 17 yeah. months. Yeah. It's still fast. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it also demonstrates that there is a reading culture here. There are people with an appetite to read, right, in Khmer. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so you also then start to support other authors. Right. Okay. Could you tell us about um, this particular. Ha -ha. Yeah? Ha -ha. Ha -ha. So she first read my book, and we have been working together at Small World. But I kind of like try to ignore her, not to talk to her. I had no idea why. <laughs> um, Did you know she was writing a book? No, no. She's, she was still working uh, after digital marketing in one organized, uh, one company at Small World. Got it. But then uh, she bor borrowed uh, a problem from a friend to read. And she got so inspired. She saw me. She didn't, she, I think she was shy not, not to come to me and talk. And I said, I don't want to talk to you too. Or something <laughs> like this. But until she... Um, she quit many jobs and then she worked in another company in Small World. 
but then it turned out like she was so down where the company didn't give her salary and like she, she was like so down but I one time I came to small world this one um, I asked her like okay so I heard you read my book and you you are very good at digital marketing so what if you help me sell my book on your page and I give you $1.5 each book so you just collect the contact and my team will uh, contact to the uh, buyer and right. they collect the book so, okay okay that's good and that time she had no money and <laughs> in one week she sold uh, almost four I think 450 uh, copies so 450 copies a dollar fifty a piece yes yeah, she made a lot of money so then she was mo very motivated to uh, sell promote more about the book and all of this but then I asked her so what do you do and she said uh, I quit my job I don't know what to do but I only know I want to publish my book. I said, what is your book? And she said, well, the name is The Test of Life. The Test of Life. Yeah. So she said, our life, there's always like the, the test we had to solve, but only us that we had to, you know, face with all of this. She collect a lot of problems from uh, audience that tell her, like send a message to her on the page, ask her to, um, you know, consult about the family, about... Uh, broken heart, all of this. And then she, she uh, helped them. Right. So you mentioned something before we started recording that was really interesting to me that I wanted to make sure I brought up. You said one of the things she said was, "If you have a broken heart, if you have a problem, don't commit suicide." Yeah. Is that a big problem? Yes. Somehow. Tell me. Uh, like the now is very popular of like the depressions. I'm not sure is it the the real depression or just attention seeker. <laughs> you know, somehow people don't differentiate it. Uh, clearly, and they they are the attention seeker, but they feel like I'm in you know depression depression stage. But Hatha, she always uh, give good advice to them. Like some like had heartbroken, and she tried to explain them. You know, life is very valuable. You know, you should not just shut down your life because of this small issue in life, right. something like that. Right. So this book, uh, her book, is all about this. Right. So you saw value in what. Hata would talk about and what she was bringing. So you invested in the publication? Yes, so she said, I only have the story, but I don't know, I don't have money to publish. But that, at the time, I also saw a lot of books from a proper woman and from my saving and said, okay, so you you focus on uh, writing, like finishing the book and like we put on the drawing, like each uh, content has a drawing so people can interpret very easily. So then we spend money on artists to have a drawing and all of that, and also the quote. Um, so we spend more money on original content. And then I told her, okay, I will invest. So then after she, uh, her book being invested and uh, released, she get a lot of uh, attention. Like She got invited to TV, radio, so many of, um, <laughs> so many of uh, her readers yeah. send her uh, through message like, right. you know, your book changed my life and all of this. And yeah, it, it was very beautiful. And she's actually developed an incredible fan base here. You mentioned she has a Facebook page with how many fans? She has um, a hundred and hundred, almost 170,000 uh, fans. Fantastic. So she communicates through, I guess, talks about a lot of the topics in her book through that fan page as well. Yes. So people may not, who cannot, who haven't bought the book, would also access a lot of her insights and perspective through that yes. page. Yes, she devote herself. Um, she write the content to in, to inspire people like at least one per day, and she would do this rather than you know company would you know call her or message her 
can you write a content promote my company mm-hmm. and she would say no, no. because um, the purpose of super <coughs> page on Facebook is to inspire uh, people like people who love reading they would always come back and read so so hopefully through reading of this uh, inspired content um, somehow it will benefit their life daily fantastic so together with Hatha you've gone a step further and you've created a publishing house is that correct yes um, so in October her book published um, 2017 December and then after 10 months we had been working t- together like support each other uh, through promoting the book I took her for speaking in school all of this um, then one evening we were sitting uh, at the dining table and then I told her I think we should make into the publishing house so we can support other writers um, luckily uh, Rati from small world he, he went there and he joined dinner and we told him the ideas and then um, he said, oh, that's cool, so just do it, Small World will invest. So Small World invests uh, the money, um, $8,000 to start. Right. And we just used the original name, Sipergibut, where Hatha created uh, almost two years ago, that reached, uh, at that time, I think 150,000 fans already, where we see this is the, the target audience that will always buy the book and read. So then we started on... October 1st, 2017, no, 18, sorry, 2018. So last, last, four fall, last autumn, yeah. But yes. already such a new business, mm-hmm. a new publishing house, you've got how many writers working We have seven now? writers working together, include me, yeah. and we have nine titles in, like the old title plus the new one, right. um, currently now, um, by, so last December we sold a lot because it was Cambodian Book Fair, we sold almost 3,000 copies in three days. Fantastic. Yeah. So you've mentioned a woman who's joined your publishing group. Mao. Mao Samnang. Yeah. Do you want to so, talk about her a little bit? Yeah. Mao Samnang is a very famous novelist. Um, almost everyone knows about her in Cambodia. And how old is she? She is 62 years old. And how many books has she written so far? She has written over 120 uh, titles. But you mentioned that she actually stopped writing for a while. Why did she do that? Uh, she stopped for almost 10 years because her book has been uh, copied freely. Um, the name of the writer is not being... Um, Attributed well, yeah, yeah, properly. Yes. Um, so she basically, when she wrote the book, one title, she earned about $300 to the printing house where they used the right of the 300 to publish and reprint it and reprint it so many times. Okay. So it's very difficult as the novelist to make a living yeah. through writing her story. So she saw your book, is that correct? And then she first, thought about she, re-engaging? She, first, um, Hatha went to visit her for the first time, I think in uh, July last year. And then Hatha gave her a book, and then we kept in contact. And then she called Hatha that your book uh, somehow inspired me um, to think again about, about uh, writing. writing because she has been working as like a script writing, mm-hmm. like she write the the script for a movie, but it, it's not her passion. But she has to make a living, right. so she has to write. Um, then I asked Hatha, "Can you bring me?" So I want to meet her. Then I gave her my book, I think in August last year. And then she read my book and she read her task book and then another book of um, uh, another uh, Roman a novelist. And she got somehow inspired and then her told her, 
I think you should go back uh, writing. And there are so many fans that have been waiting for you yeah. for your story. And then um, she was like, you know, she was still thinking. And then I think after one week, she told her time, okay, uh, I will write um, the you know new new novel. And can you just announce all of this? So she spent about three months writing her story, but she doesn't know how to use computer. So she has to write by hand and then she write the card and then send it to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm happy to, t- to help you. So then I would listen to her voice and then typing what she said. So um, let me just get, let me just understand this again. She writes by hand. Yes. And then she reads her writing into mm-hmm. a voice recorder. Yes. And then you listen to the voice recorder. And now you're typing in Khmer again, yes. which you said is really hard, yeah. into Microsoft Word or into a Google Doc. Mm-hmm. And then she rereads it to make sure that it's the story she was telling. Yes. And so, then you edit it. Mm-hmm. So first, after I finish right, typing, um, the designer working on the, like, the designing the page mm-hmm. and all of that, mm-hmm. and then uh, send it back to her to read. Uh, you know, if there's any, any mistake and all of that. But like I personally, when I type, uh, it was like 11.30 and then my back was so hurt, right. I still cannot stop because she has the art of hiding and make the reader questioning why it's like this. Um, I think it should be like that, but I never get it right. right. So she has this very great strategy uh, of keeping the reader to keep reading until the end. Some will read until 3 a.m. Right. In other words, you couldn't put the book down even before no. it was a book, basically. Yes. Yeah, I was just typing, but I still cannot stop finishing her clip, you know, like I had really to kind cool. of new. That's really cool. You're like, oh my God, I wonder what happens yeah. next. Yeah. And you guess, and you guess wrong yeah, guess all wrong. the time. Yes, yeah, so I come, you know. <laughs> That's a great book. So what was it about this, your publishing house, which could attract Mao Sanam to come back to writing? Is it something about how you're modeling the business? Yeah, um, so because we are from a writer, so we, we know how it feels like to be a writer. We want to treat the writer fairly. Um, I don't want to hide this, but like after I know the, the percentage from the European market, right. like nine, seven to 9% of the retail price, and then where we offer the, the writer in our publishing is quite a lot. We give them 35% after the uh, bookstore after cost yeah yes after cost yeah it led only the cost of the bookstore we right. cover the printing cost too so um, it's because you know I am also a writer and I know how it feels like if the writer cannot make a living through the love of their career why should they still focus on producing books for reader to read right so then we have to make it fair for them um, then when we look at the reader we say people don't want to read anymore it's digital and all of this there are so many distracts of Facebook, of all of these things, but still, because I personally, if I cannot find a, a good book to read, I don't want to read. Right. If I, can, I hold the heavy book, I don't want to even, you know, open a page. So then we find this uh, common problem of um, here in Cambodia, where readers don't want to read because they don't, they don't want, they cannot find the good book to read. Right. And then the reader can, uh, writer cannot, uh, continue with their writing or they, they discourage because they cannot make a living. So if we can make, produce like a good quality book, even we sell higher price, people are still happy to pay. And then at the same time, when we generate more money, then we give more percentage to the writer and then they have more 
you know, are inspired to keep writing and readers always have good book to read. Right. So you've created a, what we call a virtuous circle, right? Mm-hmm. I want to write. I earn more. The reader likes it. Yeah. I write more. Mm-hmm. I earn more. Yeah. I read yeah. more. What a great, what a yeah. great process. Yeah. And when we look back to the fan base on Facebook, even we have just 10% from the fan base uh, we have. We have like, you know, 15, at least 15,000 people where they buy the book. They buy, like, they mostly buy all the set. They said, right. when is the new title? Like, my latest one called The Captain of Life. I first just make just one part. And now, Hatha uh, told, like, I think it's too thick to make uh, one part. This is what we also think about. Serializing. Um, yes. I like and it. also, um, how Cambodians don't want to read too thick book. So we make, like, the novel will be under 300 pages. Right. Then my book has to be divided into two parts. I was going to say two or three parts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then when we make first part, and then we put at the back of the story, is that waiting, uh, like, please wait for the second part. Coming soon. And now we get every day, like, asking, when is the second part released? Like, we don't even start writing yet. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell me. Yeah. So we see the potential, too. Um, I think we are quite smart to... To uh, make that into this strategy, we understand the reader better, um, their behavior of reading, the type of book they want, something like that. So your latest book is A Captain's Life, is that this correct? This one, yeah. The Captain of Life. Captain of Life. Yeah. And do you have another one in the works for the 2019? Yes, what is your so plan? it will be the part two, but we don't want to make the same name. But it's still the story inside we connected. So uh, on 23rd, that's why I told you, um, we will have like a writing tour where we change the plan not to go to Rabbit Island, but we go to my hometown, just spend time with my parents, and then use my dad's uh, mango farm as our office to uh, structure the theme of the part two. Then when I have the theme, it will be faster for me to, to uh, write, and I plan to release in August this year. This whole conversation with you started with your grandmother and your mother and your father sort of inspiring you to be different, saying that there is a path for girls and for women that's kind of set, but you don't have to do that. And the only way out of that is to get educated. So now that you're 29 and you have a publishing company, you've written many books and you've inspired Masam Nang to come back after a 10-year hiatus to write her books, and you've helped Hata to who had no money and nothing basically when you met her to write her book and become successful and have a following. Now when your mother and father look at you, what do they feel? I asked her uh, two days ago when we met at the, my cousin's wedding and she asked me, hey, when you come uh, to your cousin's wedding, can you bring a proper woman and your <laughs> captain of life? I want to give it to my friend um, where they have not met for 30 years right. uh, during her uh, secondary school. And I told her, so how do you feel when um, they always talk good about your children? And she said, yeah, I'm feeling very proud. Right. So she, so she finished uh, A Proper Woman, she finished A Captain of Life, she finished mostly all the book uh, we have in the publishing house. Your mother did, yeah. yeah. She did like in two or three days. So I would love to ask your mom this question, right? Because as a little girl for you, you're not like the other little girls, right? Because you're playing the games with the boys and stuff. But as a parent... Your mother is also not like her peers at all. And I wonder what her girlfriend said to her. Like, hey, you shouldn't let Tavri do that. Mm, Because she's going to have a bad life kind of thing, right? And now, when her friends look at you, your mother can just kind of go like, you know, make that face like, 
I was kind of right. So um, when when she sacrificed everything for us right. during like high school was a tough uh, part um, for her and for us. And then, you know, even she spent her own money, she, she sold her own account and all of this. Right. People see it like a talk behind her, like That's she is point. silly, you know. Right. Like what why a bad not, parent, right? Yes, She's why not leave her um, to work in the factory so she can make money and, you know, uh, support you and all of this. Right. But then she just, uh, you know, being quiet, and then she said, um, I invest in my children's long-term, you know, investment of this. So when I finished high school, uh, I went to Phnom Penh, there's always like, uh, you know, neighbor would come and tell her like, you should not let her go far away from home. Right. Should not, you know, it's not safe for her and all of these things. But then when I reached over 25, they, you know, people would kind of like make fun of her, like, oh, you know, your daughter is 25 now. You don't even have um, uh, grandchildren. Your grandchildren, right. yeah, She's not and all of this, yet, all yeah. this stuff, right? But um, she defend myself, like defend me very nicely. She would tell them like, you know, I don't have grandchildren yet. When I want to buy something to eat, I can eat all. Right. I can take a nap during the daytime, not just like you. You don't even have a nap. Well, your mother like made that. a long term bet, and what's really interesting to me about a long term bet is that she also made a long term commitment. And she probably was being made fun of behind her back for years, years before she could finally say, I was right. Yeah, so in 2013-14, um, I went back to my village and I set up homestay. So I made my uh, parents' home as a program's house. And then I worked with um, 24 uh, villagers to help the students from America. And mostly they come three to four times. Uh, per year mm -hmm. and they stay like seven to twelve days which the next one i will go back and spend time with my family and make money right. <laughs> so now the perspective changed toward education and the way they look at my parents very differently of course they they see my parent a successful <clears throat> parent that uh, raised the children very successfully right and you're now a role model for other young women and young girls yeah. and frankly for young boys yeah as well. and my mom told me that now the parents send their uh, younger kids to study English, even you know at you know grade four, grade five. They what a start, great idea! Yeah. Now they kind idea. of like see the benefit of um, education, but it takes I think over ten years. Well, it takes a generation, right? Yes, to prove because you don't know. It takes a full generation to prove. You, you yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Um, you're not only a role model in your community, but around Cambodia. And after writing a proper woman, you've been invited to schools and um, community organizations who are working on female women empowerment, ask to join them and speak about your experiences. Yeah. Right? When you go to those schools and you speak to young girls, what's your message for them? Um, so I basically just share about my life journey, uh, how I come from the rural area, I fight for my education, I fight the freedom of my own life, I fight uh, to achieve my own dreams. Um, I always keep telling them about my dream of travel around the world, my dream of becoming a writer, uh, my dream of being on the plane. And they got so excited because they mostly, I think 89% or 90%, they all want to be on the plane. So when I told them this, they got so excited, like how it feels to be on the plane for the first time and all of that. And then in short, my message to them, just you know, trying to inspire them that, it doesn't matter where you are from, but 
the destiny is your own. So you can design your own destiny. That is just an incredible way to end. I don't know how to thank you for your time. And I feel like I know for a fact this is not going to be the last time we're going to have you come and tell us stories. Yeah, Dan, thank awesome. you so much. This has been amazing. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank, thank you so you. much, Tucker. Thank you.